A welcome to a new edition of the Art Business Podcast. My guests today are very well known to me over the years in my work at Sotheby's Institute of Art London. Um, Claire McAlson-Brown, uh, welcome Claire. Hi David. <laughs> uh, Claire has been at the Institute in a couple of capacities uh, in my understanding. She actually studied the master's degree, the MA in contemporary art in the early millennium and then later actually found herself working in the marketing department of Sotheby's Institute of Art, which she then uh, left a few years ago and to develop her own, uh, as I understand it, freelance art advisory, communic art communications um, and uh, PR uh, company. And from out of that, Claire has found herself working with my other guest today, who is an alumna of mine, uh, of the MA Art Business Programme from 2010 to 2012, graduated in 2012, Neha. And uh, um, Neha has recently, very recently, it's only a year old, uh, founded uh, the Art Friends, which is an art prize for, particularly for South Asian artists that we're going to talk about for the main part of the podcast later on. And I think what will be interesting Neha and Claire, for, for, for listeners, is that, you know, many of our, well, our listeners are from all over the world, but the majority of them looking at the people who are listening to my podcast are, are, are registered in the United States of America, this country, the UK, Europe. And so I think, I think that they're hungry to know more about, uh, you know, what's happening in the South Asian art world. And we'll talk more about what we mean by what that covers geographically late, later on. But as yeah. usual, I'm just going to ask, you know, Claire, your favorite yes. city <laughs> yes yes um well i think um apart from london uh which is a favorite city although sometimes it's a bit of a love-hate relationship with london i think <laughs> because it is so kind of uh, sometimes quite difficult just kind of moving around and getting things done but and it's almost overwhelming there's so much which is great in, in, in one respect but another real favorite of mine is um, is Munich in um, southern Germany Bavaria and um, I spent some quite a bit of time there really at the beginning of my career and also when I was a student because um, I studied modern languages and I spent my year abroad at the University of Munich and it was one of those things where you just had to decide very quickly, you know, almost where you want to go. And I didn't really have any idea about Munich as such, but somebody had recommended it to me once. So I decided to go to Munich. And when I got there, um, I, I just loved it because it, it's such a beautiful um, city. It's quite small. You know, it's in the middle of um, some very beautiful countryside. Um, fantastic museums and galleries and also I was really into the Blue Rider movement at that time and um, I don't know if you've been to Munich. Only when I was about 12. The <laughs> so I need to return <laughs> you know and look, look at it through more yeah. art. They've got more museums. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a there's a very famous museum there called the Lembach House yes. and um, that shows paintings by Kandinsky and also Gary actually Claire, Claire sorry to interrupt <laughs> yes. sorry to interrupt but your your, your audio is 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 a little bit shaky so may I ask you to turn your video off yes because Good normally idea. that increases the bandwidth a little 
Yeah, thank you. Mm. So that will probably improve the sounds now. It was we we were losing. Did you hear that, Neha? Yes. Yes. Okay. Anyway, but, sorry to interrupt you, but um, so no, so, that's yeah, fine. so so yeah. You, yeah, and and were you was this part of a, a your an undergraduate degree like in German language or culture or? Yes. Yes, it was language and literature. Yeah. So um, you know the the actually in fact the language part was was quite difficult. It was, as you can imagine, in a way, because oh, we're we're losing you again, Claire. Different, uh, no, really. Yeah, um, we're losing you a little bit again. What What is your? Do you ever? Do you have problems with it? I'm just actually. I'm just going to pause the record. Uh, apologies to listeners for that interruption. We've now got Claire back on a much clearer line. Uh, so I'm going to turn to Neha and ask whether Neha has a favourite city other than Munich or London. <laughs> Oh dear, very difficult one. London is by far my favourite city. Oh, you can talk about London and why you like it. <laughs> yeah, London is uh, the my favourite city to live. Um, it's, it's the most vibrant city in the world for art and architecture. Uh, there's so much happening in all different spheres of life and I can never catch up with what, what's really happening around London. So last two months, uh, my kids have been on a holiday and we've tried to see so many theatres, mm. so many um, movies, so many kiddie activities, and we still haven't been able to catch up with everything. So <laughs> <laughs> Lots of things uh, to do in London. Lots, lots of yeah. things to do in London. And yeah. uh, there's a famous saying, if you get bored of London, you're bored of life. Yes, <laughs> Dr. Actually, Johnson. I truly believe in that, yeah. Yeah, when a Never man did. is tired of London, he's London. tired of life. Tired of life. 18th mm -hmm. century, I think. Um, yeah. and, and Neha, I think originally, you're, you're from India originally. That's correct. Yeah, so and, so, yeah and, and, and so what I was going to ask you is, it's a long time since I've been to classical Indian music, like sitar, tabla music, and I love it. Do you do you do things? Do you do you still do? Do you find enough in London if you want? If you, you know that is from Indian culture or, or yes, don't? yeah, yes, David, absolutely. There's a very um, famous thing. It's called uh, the Darbar Festival, which happens at the South Bank Centre. Yeah, and uh, it's around the summertime, May, June, July, this sort of time, and they have wonderful um, classical Indian music players very famous ones and you can just book tickets and go and listen to them i did that few times uh, pre-covid and uh, i think it's going to be on soon and i really want to go and uh, hear some music yes um, i believe and... i believe that that festival might be coming on at the barbican center soon because i did have a look the other day and it was okay. coming up with a lot of events at the barbican it might be what, yes. what you call it the dark the Darbar Festival. Yes. Is this the right time of year? That's correct. So this yes, is so I think right it's now at the Barbican. At the Barbican Centre this year. Okay, yeah. good to so, know that. So listeners, <laughs> if you've never been to Indian dance, classical dancing and, and, and classical Singing. music, you music. must go because, give it a chance because it's the most uplifting experience listening to that kind of music and watching that sort of dance. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for that, Neha. And and I was just going to quickly come back to Claire, who who she Claire was talking about Munich and the city, but she also talked about the beautiful countryside of, of Bavaria, uh, uh surrounding Munich. Did you did you get out into the countryside when you were there or or is the, are there yeah. other places, Claire, that you that you see as your favorite rural locations? 
Yes. Oh no, I I it's, I loved, loved uh, the um, the countryside. You know, obviously it's very mountainous. Um, uh, it's very very beautiful. Um, but and when I was there, I also um, traveled to other cities like Prague and Italy is quite near yeah. and, and France. Um, but back back to England, I do when I'm not in London, I'm in, actually in the northwest in Cheshire, and I I know that you you know Alderley Edge. Alderley Edge, uh, yes, I remember now. <laughs> yes. uh, so the home of uh, the writer Alan Garner, absolutely, um, who's like sort of the original Harry Potter, if you like, you know, the weird <laughs> and also, also as I under as I understand it, Claire, sorry to interrupt, as I understand it, the home of many Manchester United foot rich footballers. Uh, yes, in the last <laughs> twenty years, yes. <laughs> But when I was growing up, it was a very, you know, sort of quiet <laughs> suburban yeah. town, really. Um, but yes, it's become one of those very sort of luxury kind of places now. Mm. But the but the countryside is still very beautiful. It feels very sort of ancient to me uh, here, and I, I get a lot of, um, um, you know, creative inspiration really from from walking in in the countryside around here, which is great. Yeah, Alderley Edge, and and just to um, so Alderley Edge for the listeners in Cheshire, really beautiful. I've visited it several times. And a lot of um, a lot of people, uh, uh, particularly in this country, I, I would imagine, I don't know whether he travels, uh, they read the books as children uh, of Alan Garner, that's Alan Garner, uh, who, who basically uh, uh, recreates the local mythology of Alderley Edge, which is kind of yeah. Arthurian. And uh, books like The Weird Stone of Brisingaman and the uh, the moon of Gomrath. <laughs> they're all yes, set in this beautiful good. area. So if you, they're fantastic books to read, even as an adult. You know, they're really, really good. And if you like things like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones, it's your sort of territory. Uh, remember yeah. that they're written for children, but they're still very, very good to read uh, if you're an adult. Um, so, so yeah, no, I, I, I get that. And, and Neha, do you have a favourite place outside of London, maybe in England, that you might go to in the countryside? Absolutely. Um, so me, my husband and my kids, we we often go over the weekends to this uh, small little village. Uh, it's around 45 minute to an hour's drive out of London. It's called Marlow. <clears throat> and it's a very small, very quiet little village. And uh, there's a place called uh, Complete Angler, which is uh, a hotel there. So we often go there. And have some tea just sitting by the lock um, and it's it's very beautiful uh, that's one of our favorite things to do especially when it comes to the winter time just bef before winter time uh, it's got a lovely fireplace and you can look out of the window have lovely uh, English tea uh, with scones and beautiful cakes um, and uh, we just love uh, seeing the lock fill up and the boats pass by. Uh, so that's a very nice, quiet thing for us to do as a family. Yeah, sounds lovely. So Marlow, west of London, along the Thames, doesn't take long to drive out to. You can probably get there on train as well if you don't have a car. Yes, absolutely, yes. And what was the name of the hotel? It's called The Complete Angler. Complete Angler, which is a famous yeah, book. And, yeah. and it's just by the bridge there on the Marlow Bridge. Yeah. Um, it's excellent. That's excellent. Um, works of art, Claire, this is always a difficult, you know, when you're asked what's your favourite work of art, <laughs> how do you answer that? But yeah. maybe you could um, respond to that somehow. 
<laughs> yes, that is difficult. You're right. Um, it's also difficult to pinpoint one specific work of art, isn't it? I suppose one that, that remains in my mind is that one by Gerhard Richter, his daughter, you know, with, with, and she's turning her head. I can't remember. Is it Betty? I think. Oh, it's... yes. The one that, that looks like a black and white photograph. Is that the well, one? Well, actually, no, it's, it's colour, but. Oh, yeah, um, right. yeah. Yes. It, it, yes. See, I can't remember the title properly. I think it's Betty. Yeah. And, uh, or Bettina. And then there's uh, obviously another one of his, The Three Candles. Oh, yes. Which is the. the, the what's that in German? Kurtzen or something? Kurtzen. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And I remember I remember the candles because for quite a while that was the, his world record at auction. So in lectures, yeah. I often show that when I was talking about Richter's Market and it would always come up as the world record. And I think that's now gone. I think there are other works now that are yeah. uh, world records, if I remember rightly. But I think most of the listeners will know Gerhard Richter. Do you want to just say a little bit about him, Claire? Because you 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 did Macca, you can you can be more eloquent than I can. <laughs> Yes. Well, in fact, I did my dissertation on Zygmunt Polka, uh -huh. who um, was a contemporary of Gerhard Richter. But both of them were working in post-war Germany, really. They came to the fore and they were both from East Germany yeah. and um, kind of escaped, I think, in the 1950s or just before the wall went up. You know, it was much more difficult. And then they arrived, I think, in, in Dusseldorf. I think they were both from Dresden originally and then arrived in Dusseldorf and kind of stayed in that north northern part of Germany um, and they were very influenced by consumer culture um, pop they were like sort of the German pop artists mm -hmm. actually to start <laughs> with yeah. um, and then they went off in their separate ways and um, my dissertation when I was at the institute was was looking at the irony in the work of Sigmar Polka because um, he used that as a, that sort of literary device when he was kind of looking at all the socio-political context of post-war Germany. Um, but I think the other thing that's so interesting about, and obviously we could talk for a long time, but the other interesting thing about these two artists is how how much variety in their technique and, and different styles that they use throughout their artistic careers you know which which is always keeps it so interesting you know and fascinating to look at their art yeah I think artists who change style like musicians I'm thinking David Bowie constantly recreates his persona yeah. um you know they they are in many ways the more interesting ones because you don't want to just you know look at spot paintings dot paintings for the rest of your life and they <laughs> exactly. do change their styles and subjects a lot and R Richter obviously is a great example of that with his abstractors builders but at the same time his more representational often super realistic works like the candles as you said uh, and of course I am I right in saying that polka is dead and Richter's Richter is yes. still alive last time I yes that's right yes yeah. I think polka died only a few years ago that's so. right. and yeah. yes and uh, Richter's still alive he's born 1932 I think. yeah and um people listening to the podcast any of you who follow for example the the big auctions of uh post-war contemporary art uh there, there is nearly always a Sigma polka and a Richter in those sales <laughs> so these are important players in the art market as well um, and and yeah. Neha do you do you have any kind of favorite art yes. that always keep in your mind? <laughs> how how funny, Claire, because I was thinking the same actually. My <laughs> favorite artist is Gerard Richter. Oh, there you are. Um any particular work. <laughs> and uh I I really love his uh photorealistic paintings. Mm. 
I think he had a solo exhibition at the National Portrait Gallery um, in 2010 or some, something around that. And uh, I did happen to go and see that exhibition. And that's when I fell in love with his uh, paintings, uh, especially his uh, these blurred paintings. I just couldn't make out if if those were paintings or was that was that photography and how brilliant of anybody to do something like that. I mean, we see art from all different periods and ages, but this uh, this was something very cleverly done. Very... And I, I, I really love his uh, works. Yeah, and those though he does two types of photograph, doesn't he? Like the candles that we spoke about, that looks almost like a super realist photograph of ca candles in color. But yeah. he also he also does these um, like heritage photographs, vintage photographs in black mm -hmm. and white, often yes. of subjects that maybe from the World War Two. You know, as a German, he's obviously got a lot of references to the Nazis and persecutions and so on. Uh, and it kind of takes one's mind yeah. back to those sort of, and and they look like damaged photographs, don't they? They look kind of yeah. as if they've lost yes. their kind of definition <laughs> and so on. They're amazing. I'm sure I'm sure most of the uh, listeners will 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 know what we're talking about. If you don't, then then just look up Gerhard Rich and you'll see. I think what Neha's talking yeah. about there. Um, um, and um, and I was oh sorry Neha. Yeah, there's another artist, a contemporary artist called Stanley Castleman. So he's been doing a little bit of uh, Gerard Victor work as well. Mm -hmm. And I saw, I think, at Philip's auction house, I some, saw some of his works. And uh, I thought that was a Richter. And then um, it, it it's just resembles very much like like him. Yeah. Um, he's, he's brilliant as well. Stanley Castleman, uh, a US-based, uh, New York-based uh, artist. Yeah, I... It's quite interesting how often that happens, and Claire probably, as a, a contemporary art specialist, probably can think of examples. So the other day I was in Tate St Ives, and um, there's an artist down there called Patrick Heron. We take our students mm -hmm. to St Ives now, and they will learn all about him. Uh, but um, Heron, often people have said, oh, Heron is like a British Rothko and kind of like was imitative of Rothko. But what I learned mm -hmm. the other day uh, in some reading I was doing is that actually they were friends, and they were kind of like working together on these sort of parallel colour uh, work. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's well, you know it's often it, it's interesting it comes piece. out as you the more you kind of delve delve into yes. this. <laughs> Very true. Yes, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. So um, yeah, I was just going to ask each of you briefly also. So so thinking about Gerhard Richter, Neha reminds me of work. There's a wonderful room. I think it's still there. I think they're still hanging there in Tate Modern. You'll probably know it with with the with these this homage to John Cage. Okay. who was a yeah. um you know a minimalist um composer um I, I remember actually seeing him at concerts when he was alive an amazing composer and uh he Richter obviously adored him and, and and did this this homage of John Cage paintings which are in Tate Modern now so what I was going to say is uh do you have any any favorite music maybe we'll start with Neha is there a music yeah Oh, okay. I listen to a lot of contemporary music. Um, so these days, uh, we're listening to a lot of kiddie family music and uh, things like uh, Happy by Farrell Willem or uh, Shotgun um, um, Budapest by uh, George Ezra or um, uh, La um, Adele or uh, Sia. Um, or Amy Winehouse, uh, <laughs> Rehab, 
uh, Ed Sheeran is a favorite again. Yeah. Um, so there, there's like a lot of uh, songs which uh, we listen to, and uh, one of our favorite things to do is to drive. Yeah. And uh, we've sort of like composed our own um, playlist of all these uh, songs. Yesterday, uh, my kids uh, they they pointed at something. It's called the Gummy Bear song. Uh, I'm a gummy bear, and. <laughs> There's like so many fun things to listen to. So as such, there's no one favorite, but uh, we enjoy listening to a lot of um, music. Um, But my one time favorite song uh, is by Elvis Presley, which is um, Can't Help Falling in Love. Uh, Uh, Beautiful. (laughs) Lots of versions of it as well. Lots (laughs) of versions. And others, of course. Absolutely. (laughs) Lots of versions as well. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. I think I think when you've got kids as well, it, 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 they they begin to listen to their own music and they force it upon you in the car, and you they you kind of have to then agree. You're, they're not a teenage yet, are they? Uh, the older one's eleven, so yeah. he's nearly there. But once and, they get to teenage, uh... <laughs> they'll be wanting all their own music, and not none of yours. Okay. <laughs> but you do, if you have an open mind, you do kind of learn and like quite a lot of it, in my experience. Yes. Anyway. Yes, absolutely. You're constantly learning from them. Yeah. And uh, likewise, they're taking in from you as well. So and, and Claire, do you do you, do you have any kind of particular music? Well, I mean, actually, you mentioned him earlier when we were talking about uh, Gerhard Richter and Sigmar Polka, uh, David Bowie. I oh. mean, I, I just love David Bowie, I particularly love um, Young American. Yeah. Um, and I find I just I just I also listen often in the car and uh, I love to be able to, to sing as well. So I love music that that makes you want to sing, basically. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. yeah. So that's one of my favourite. But also, I love classical music too, mm-hmm. and uh, an opera. Uh, so, not that I sing opera, but <laughs> but I love listening to it. Um, so, you know, Verdi, Puccini, Borgia, mm-hmm. and uh, I love listening to violin concertos, Bruch, and um, also some Mozart. Yeah, I heard a, a viola concerto, very very rarely played by a a, a rush a, a Russian. German composer called Schnitker, Jewish composer. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he was at the prom the other night with the Berlin Philharmonic playing it, and it was amazing, amazing music. Oh, wonderful. He he apparently invented this style called polystylism, which is basically, as it says on the tin, it means that he incorporates like older, like Viennese waltzes, and then a lot of contemporary, uh, you know, um, atonal music into his work, which you could hear in that viola concerto. But it sounds as though... um, yeah. You're more eclectic, maybe, than Neha. She's listening to Adele and Probably. Amy Winehouse yeah. <laughs> and some yeah. Indian classical music as well. <laughs> so, True. so that's great. Yeah, and David Bowie, but you spoke about Young Americans, particularly that album. And uh, it, thinking back to my own, um, my own experience of that, I kind of the moment that Bowie went to America, me and my friends went really off him because we thought, oh, he's sold out. He's gone and lived in New York and Young Americans was, you know. So funny enough, I didn't listen to that then, but more recently I've been kind of listening to all of that, (laughs) you know, from the moment he arrived in New York and and, and America, I've been kind of revisiting that. And he's another person that, as we said earlier, who keeps changing his styles and is, is so creative. Right, right. And sometimes I love listening to Madonna as well, actually. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was now going to 
you know, leading into what we're doing at the moment. So, so um, Claire, can I ask you, can you remember the first time you started realizing there was this thing called art and how you got into it and then how it came into your life and career? Well, um, I think I've always been interested in art ever since I was a child. I, you know, I was drawing and painting myself. I, I did art O-level and art A-level at school. And um, I, I remember having quite a tough decision, wondering whether to study art after school or languages. And in the end, I went for languages because I thought if I don't study languages now, you know, I never will kind of thing. And I can always do art. And I suppose that's true to an extent. Um, so it's always been with me, and uh, but I, I've never really um, discovered how to make a career out of it, really, as a as not as a non-practicing artist. And um, I, I think, if I may say so, that's where Sotheby's Institute <laughs> comes in so well because it trains you for everything else that you can do with art, um, apart from actually be, being an artist. Yeah, we get quite a few studio artists doing the MA art business who who um, probably are beginning to realise they're not going to make a living uh, financially out of be being artists, but many of them continue. And we do have people who come and do the programme uh, because they want to use it. They realise it's going to be valuable to know, understand the art market and art law, et cetera, in their own careers. So there are still people out there that I follow on Instagram. I'm thinking of one from very early millennium called Henrik Simonson. He might be listening to this. Whoever knows? And I, I, I still see he, he apparently he has a like he had a cooperative of artists based in Brighton. Henrik, um, if you're listening, please correct me if I'm wrong about this. But I, I seem to remember that they they gang together and save money so that one of them could come and do the MLR business and bring back the good the idea understanding <laughs> of of yeah. artists to the group, which is interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Neha, what about you? Can you remember art from when you were a child or was it yeah. a fairly late development? So um, I grew up, David, in India. I was born in India in a very small city called Nagpur, which is central India. And uh, I was always interested as a child in paintings and we, we, we weren't exposed uh, living in this small city in India. We weren't really exposed to art. Um, all we did was summer holidays, my mother would put me in uh, some classes and I would just go and paint uh, things and uh, just do art as a hobby. And uh, then grow up, but it was a very strong hobby for me. But um, I then grow up and uh, art is uh, not a subject that uh, you would take if you were an academic um, coming out of standard 12th um you would there were three important streams in india which is engineering mm -hmm. um or medicine or commerce and most of my friends and me we, we went and took engineering uh so art got sidetracked there um then i got married and i moved to london and my first degree was uh, a master's in finance so um, I come to London, I am still not exposed to all the international art world. Um, but I, I do my master's in finance at Gas Business School, then go on to work at the city for some time. And then I, I realized that this is something which I don't really want to do for the rest of my life. And I give up uh, my job and I do a lot of short courses 
in different things. I, I do jewelry, jewelry making, jewelry designing, gemology, um, art courses. And um, uh, one day I was walking on Newborn Street and I stumble upon the Sotheby's auction house. Um, so I go, go, I see some paintings outside and then I just decide to go in. And there I asked the receptionist, um, this, this, is, this is the first time I'm really exposed to, to the art world. Um, so I asked the receptionist, um, I want to work here at Sotheby's, um, how do I work? So the receptionist, she gives me an email address um, for the uh, HR people. And then this uh, email goes to uh, Laura Harris at uh, the Institute. Uh, and I come and I apply for an internship and I do the internship uh, under Dr. Anthony Downing for six months in the contemporary arts department. And all I do there is uh, converting the slides uh, which the Institute used uh, into PowerPoint presentations. And I just love doing what I was doing. So I continued doing it, although it was like sort of a, hardly paid me anything. <laughs> but I was enjoying myself and I this was my foundation in art, art arts. I learned the entire art history through through making these slides, through the, making these PowerPoints. Um, I discovered the different movements and sometimes Anthony allows me to sit on the lectures. So I I get an understanding of what the Western art history is all about. So it, it's been a very interesting journey for me and um, then I, um, once I'm exposed to this, uh, that that's the beginning. Then there's like no stopping. Then. <laughs> Can you remind me of the dates when Anthony Downey, who used to be the um, program director of the MA Contemporary Art, I think Claire was he was it Tony Godfrey when you were there who was director? Yeah, yes, that's right. It was Tony Godfrey, and um, but Anthony Downey was also doing a lot of the teaching. Yeah. Uh, with others and Anna Mazinska. Yeah, mm. and both of them are now uh, no longer at the Institute. They've, they've, their careers have taken them to other parts of the country or the world. But um, what sort of date was it, Neha? Because I'm just thinking this is so interesting in terms of, so, so just for, for the younger listeners, we used to actually do our lectures with these colour slides, which are basically you have to a photographs that you have to take on a camera, yeah. uh, and they're not they're not like negatives that you then print into pictures. They're actually colour transparencies uh, framed in plastic or cardboard that you used to have to put in a slide projector and project on. Sorry, that sounds a bit patronising. Probably everyone knows what I mean. But the problem when PowerPoint came along is that uh, you know we all had thousands of slides. I, I had about at least 2000 from my research in Pompeii, the ancient Roman site of the wall paintings there. And I've still got them and I don't know what to do with them because you, <laughs> most of the images you can now just Google and find, or there are other search engines. So we don't really need that most of the time anymore. But so what sort of date was that when you were converting for Anthony? Yes, I think this was around 2009, 10 time, 2009, yeah. 2010. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, just likewise, the contemporary art department, they had thousands of slides yeah. and very periodically classed. So yes. you would have art from impressionist, post-impressionist, and then you would have these artists in these different periods, the different images. Yeah. Um, it was such a massive learning curve for me, Dave, uh, David. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, think, I think probably it was more it's stream for contemporary art because I know 
I know when Tony used to, Tony Godfrey used to lecture for me sometimes, uh, before I did art business, I was teaching styles in art, which is a history of Western art, you know, from prehistory to the present day. And Tony used to come and do the contemporary, but he had a lot of his own photographs of really interesting artists that weren't available on the internet. And I, mm -hmm. I think with contemporary art, that's probably the reason that Anthony and Anthony was getting you to convert those to PowerPoint. Anyway, at last, let's come on to the art friends, TAF. The arts uh, family, the sorry to interrupt you. The arts no, no, family. No. The art, sorry, I keep family. saying the arts family. Um, <laughs> Neha, do you want to begin by talking about how this came about founding this, the arts family and what it is? Yes. So um, the arts family, we found this last year. Uh, it was coming out of COVID. Um, and it was the realization that art is a very important aspect, not just for the artists, but for normal people as well. And hence, we wanted to do something which um, would include uh, everybody, all different art professionals. Um, and, you know, coming out of COVID, everybody was um, wanting to help each other. And art was um, something, and this is something which I'd wanted to do for quite some time. So uh, that's how I, that's why I founded this, uh, the Arts Family uh, to, last year, beginning, uh, just coming out of COVID. And it was easy because everything was online. Uh, everybody was still home and we could, um, uh, we were Zooming each other, talking a lot over the phone. Um, so, so you know that that's how, um, practically speaking, this was sort of formed. Uh, but the idea of the arts family is uh, it's a non-profit organized initiative, and um, um, we call it an all-inclusive community for everybody. Uh, but we launched uh, with an art award for South Asia. Uh, South Asia, because this is something uh, from where I come and I have a lot of contacts there. So for me, practically speaking, it's very easy. Uh, it was pretty easy to get into the art market there. So um, we started, we launched an art award last uh, April. Uh, we, I mean, uh, Claire can maybe fill up um, more details on the art award, uh, the response and all that we got. But, can you uh, just define uh, what countries you're talking about in South Asia, Neha? Yeah, so South Asia consists of seven countries. We're talking about India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, um, Bhutan, Sri Lanka, Nepal, Afghanistan. So yeah. these countries and uh, uh, the art award that we are talking about is um, geared more, more towards the contemporary artists uh, under the age of uh, 40 years. Um, it's something that not uh, everybody is doing and uh, there is a need for this uh, that's what we thought at that point um, when we spoke when I spoke approached I approached a lot of people including Claire and uh, a lot of other jury members and it was I was trying to find out what is it that uh, South Asia really needs to begin with and um, yeah this was uh, something that uh, was really needed and uh, there are other things as well, like um, the mentorship uh, that the artists need there. They need exposure into in, the international art market. Um, so 
yeah th these were the thoughts behind forming the art award as such and rewinding a little before we asked claire maybe to talk about her involvement with uh, the the art the art friends uh, neha i i do remember you organizing an event um in london for indian um more crafts people could you could you talk about that because it was absolutely fascinating i seem to remember can you just talk about yeah. that because i think it links in to what you were saying about exposing these people to the international market yeah uh so the arts family what i started last year this is something what i wanted to do 10 years back david but um when i did um this art exhibition in london at the Indian High Commission, um, the I curated this exhibition and uh, it had uh, the traditional art, arts of India and uh, the I was also trying to get the artists, the contemporary artists who were uh, painting using these traditional techniques. So that was what the exhibition was all about um, when I um, held this exhibition 10 years back. Um, it was pretty interesting because we had artists from Eastern and Western India uh, working in all these traditional techniques of, uh, for example, Pichwai, um, Madhubani art, miniature Indian paintings, a lot of uh, art from Bengal, uh, Pachitra. So these are the local artisans in the village, um, in these places in India and the art is very interesting because it's been passed from generations to their uh, younger people and um, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting because each region has its own different type of art so i went around to eastern and western india uh, saw around 100 uh, 150 artists met up with them personally and then we put 15 artists together uh, in this exhibition and showcase them here. Um, alongside, we flew one artist from Rajasthan, um, and um, he was a miniature artist, uh, Mr. Sharma. And um, we invited the prince's uh, school students to see how he's uh, practicing. We held some contemporary seminars here, uh, talking about these traditional arts of uh, South Asia. Is that the in Prince's, sorry to interrupt now, is that the Prince's Trust, Prince Charles Princess, School? Yes, yes. Just, just okay. for the, yeah, so for the listeners, the Prince's Trust, I think it's called, it's a school of traditional craftsmanship traditional and, art, craft. and artisanship, uh, you know, things like stained glass, mosaics, traditional crafts, which Prince Charles uh, is a charity, uh, as I understand it, and he maybe it's not the Trust, anyway, it's the, it is the Prince of Wales's uh, school, and uh, you got him involved in it. They came along as well. Yes, the students came along. They saw the artists from practice. the Indian. Yes, from the, yeah. yeah, and it's it's pretty interesting because nothing of this sort is really was really happening in London. So it was yeah. pretty interesting for them as well to come and see uh, artists from this uh, place, Nadwara, come and practice this traditional art. No, so I think. I th sorry again to interrupt. I th I think that. Before we move on, I think it's also really interesting, I seem to remember, and it was quite unique in some ways, because you brought the artists over, I seem to remember, and you had them working in front of their works. So that when I visited the exhibition, I was watching people making what I, the finished products were actually around yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So David, uh, yes, this was uh, the first exhibition which I curated. Yeah. Um, this was 10 years back. 
mm-hmm. and the idea for taf had been sewed in my um, had yeah was in my mind since then um but you know doing these things in london in the western world it it just takes a lot of finances absolutely and i got busy with my family and um, yeah that that that's the reason i didn't really continue with it as such um but taf should have been started then itself <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and then there was covid and then you decided to launch it sort of halfway through covid so claire how did you get involved claire in yes well i yeah yeah, i remember it was obviously it was during the pandemic as nay has been saying and um neha and i um just very briefly were working at the institute for some time our paths sort of crossed and then I left the institute and Neha carried on and we kept in touch and um, so it was one of those phone calls I think and we were we were talking and Neha was telling me about the idea for the arts family and I thought you know it was it was such a good idea because it was what was needed particularly also at this time when everybody was feeling a bit isolated at home you know the only way we could connect was through zoom uh, you know and as we're continuing to do now and um, so I slowly became involved and um, you know I didn't really know too much about Indian art or art from South Asia um, I, I'd heard about some of the Indian modern masters, you know, Gemini Roy, M.F. Hussain, F.N. Souza. Um, but being involved in these new contemporary artists uh, and finding out about them, um, sort of as we were saying earlier, David, going back to to um, Gerhard Richter, you know, there was such a variety in the medium used uh, by a lot of the artists who applied for the award. I mean, we had... Um, over 700 applications in the first year of the TAF Emerging Artists Award. And um, so for me, I became very curious and wanted to know more. And uh, so through my marketing and PR experience, I've been um, working with Neha to to get the message out really to the London art market. and um, also we put together a series of Zoom talks, uh, especially for the artists who applied for the, for the Emerging Artist Award. And we launched that as well, which is very exciting. So um, I invited a curator, um, an artist, one of the artists I work with, I think you've heard me mention him before, David Pato Bosic, he came along and just spoke uh, very uh, frankly about his career becoming an artist and some of the difficulties and challenges and successes and really again to give exposure to these uh, artists in South Asia what it's like uh, to develop your career in an international kind of art city such as London. Um, And so it's continued and um, you know the Indian contemporary art market is really booming at, at the moment yeah, and um, I think uh, it's a wonderful thing that both you and Nayar and the art friends are are exposing all of these artists from from country. You know, as you say, we there are certain artists like contemporary Indian artists like Barty Kerr, etc., that that we see at the auction, the big auction houses, and so on. But one's very aware, as one is in the UK, that there's hundreds of other 
uh, often very talented artists that are otherwise just not going to get exposed to their own art markets. Um, you know, the UK is an established, you know, it's been there for hundreds of years. Uh, but whereas I, I, I think in some of those countries, it's probably quite a recent thing, uh, the, the, the art world. But Neha, maybe you could say something about uh, um, Claire spoke about two different prizes as I understand it and correct me if I'm wrong one of them is for more established artists often very well known you know already working in major institutions like the V&A and the other one is for emerging artists do you want to talk more is that correct and do you want to say a little bit about those prizes no no we just have uh, one award which is an emerging artist award uh, and, uh, at this stage and um, we're still young, David, we're still trying to see what the market is and get all the commercial aspects of uh, art together. Mm. And mm. before we launch this second uh, thing, which is the Master's Award, uh, which would be sometime in the future. I see, I but, see. Uh, yeah, today as, I, as, I, as I understand it, one of the issues you had, which is an mm -hmm. issue that I had with Conrad Cavallo and the, 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 the art prize that I've been yes. a judge on for the last few years, and we work with Conrad and our students work with some of his emerging artists each year, optionally. Right. Um, one of the problems was is that we had to decide, is this person actually a real... We, we were after ultra-emerging artists, i.e. we'd look and see, have they won any prizes already? Are they already selling their works for reasonable amounts of money? Uh, because anyone who was, we felt, had already had a presence in the art world. We were there to try and encourage by giving a prize to someone who wasn't really well known at all, maybe just emerging from art school. Right. And that was really difficult. So maybe you could talk about, maybe yeah. you and Claire could talk about how you how you filter your seven to 800 applications into a shortlist. Right. So David, this uh, thing which uh, Conrad does with his art award, it's slightly different to our art, art award. What our uh, art award is, it's for emerging artists who are, who have shown that uh, they've been practicing art for a few years time. Yes. Uh, they, 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 sh they show a little bit of record of uh, them being serious artists because we are based in London. We want the artists who are really, um, uh, who who are ready to be exposed to the international art market. So we choose these artists as winners and shortlist those ones who we think are ready for the international art market and who, those who will benefit from what we are offering them. Yeah, right. It is yes. a different it is a different model, and I guess that's partly to do with what we were saying just now about they've got to get into that international world more than say a British a UK based artist. Um, yes, have to because the UK-based artist um, is yeah. there is already a fairly present, a very dynamic sort of commercial art world and public sector art world available to them. Yes, absolutely. So when we're talking about these artists, and especially bringing them from South Asia, it involves a lot of costs. So um, we want these established emerging artists uh, to bring them. Um, abroad here it's taking us a lot of uh, you know financial costs and all so versus yeah. a british artist who's already present here yeah. so yeah can 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 both of you or, or or claire maybe you want to talk about your involvement in the in the first prize and how you came to to decide on the winner eventually was it difficult or and can you also maybe both of you could actually mention some names of the the, the winners and, and 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 you know what 
because the the listeners I think would then like to look them up and and I'll I'll make sure I get the spelling from you as well uh, so that so that I can put it in the written parts of when when I'm kind of marketing the podcast. Um, yes. So, yeah. Yes. I mean, um, my my role actually is not uh, in in um, you know judging or okay. um, yeah. you know, selecting these artists. I mean, I don't know if Neha wants to mention who is actually on the the jury because yeah. it's a very interesting name. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So we have a very interesting jury, uh, right from uh, Julia Hart who has been a VNA curator for the Asian art department for over 40 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's really helped us uh, with this award. She's uh, interviewed the 15 shortlisted um, candidates from the 700 uh, personally. And um, yeah, she, she's helped us uh, shape this award in a, in a way. The next one is uh, Lekha Podar. Lekha is um, based in New Delhi and uh, she is the founder of uh, Devi Art Foundation, which is a very, I think, one of um, South Asia's biggest um, art foundations. Uh, they have a museum in Delhi. Um, so we're really honored to have uh, Leka as a jury member. Uh, then we have um, Malini Roy, who's the head of visual arts for uh, um, Asia uh, at the British Library in London. And uh, yeah, we're very honored to have Malini as well. Uh, she, uh, um, then we have myself and uh, Shanti Panchal, who's a British Indian artist. Um, Shanti is also sitting as sitting as as a jury member this year on uh, the Jackson Palak Art Art Award, mm -hmm. and uh, Shanti helps um, me. You know, sort of like okay. Uh, what are the things which we should do and uh, what is the right right way to steer this art award so again uh, shanti has been very helpful and then lastly amit kumar jain he's a curator and uh, director of a gallery in new delhi and he's sort of like very uh, he's seen the contemporary art market there he's been there quite some time so he knows the market well and uh, again uh, very helpful to have him. So the jury is uh, six six members, and they're all um, they're all uh, professionals. Um, so very good board of jury members. Yeah. And and there's diversity in the jury. You've got artists. You've got people creating foundations, museums for public sector exposure of the artists. You've got people in the British Library in London. It's and the VNA Julia Hutt actually. The, I don't know whether she still teaches, but she definitely used to be part of the staff at Sotheby's Institute of Art. Um, right. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I remember her well. And now, I think most of her work now is now at the V&A. Um, maybe you could speak, therefore, about uh, maybe the winner or, 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 or plus two or three of the other artists and what, what, what was considered exceptional about them and their practice. I mean... Right. I so, so this jury, jury, they chose chose uh, fifteen shortlisted candidates, and then from these fifteen shortlisted candidates, we further came down to three top winners. Yes. Now, um, these top three winners, our top winner was uh, Bushra Vakas Khan, who is an artist uh, from Pakistan, and um, Bushra's work. Um, sorry, sorry, Bushra's. Um, what she does is uh, she she makes these fabulous 
miniature dresses. Um, she was shortlisted at the Jamil Art Prize at the V&A Museum last year as well. Um, and um, her, her works are fabulous. Uh, all these little miniature dresses which she cuts out from um, the stamp paper. Um, yeah, so she uses um, the stamp paper, prints those onto organza and then makes these miniature dresses. So it's very different uh, and unique what she's been doing. And she was our winner. The second award winner was uh, Madhu, who Claire has been recently working with. So Claire, do you want to mention a little bit about Madhu maybe? Yes, I mean, part of my role really working with very closely with Neha, as I was saying, is how to um, get the market in London in interested in these artists because it is so different for us. Um, and so one of my ideas was to uh, interview our second prize winner, Madhu Das. So over a series of uh, Zoom calls over the course of the last three weeks, um, he's been talking to me about these series of works he's done over a 10 year period. Now, one of these he submitted for his application to the artist award, but I didn't realize that this one is a photograph and it's a photograph of site specific performance work. And he's um, got 10 of these photographs. So we were talking about each one and he's mainly concerned with identity onto the social and natural world. So he goes to these, he travels around India and goes to these very interesting spaces that just interest him in, in terms of a narrative sense and also maybe um, the site of a memory such, such as a, a cave in um, a part of India where um, religious ceremonies used to happen, you know, centuries ago. Um, and uh, he calls this series Landscape of Confronted Abstraction. And um, in one of the key works that uh, he submitted to the, to the um, Taft Artist Award, um, he's standing in an empty room where a guard used to work. And uh, this guard used to oversee a certain land in India and make sure you know nobody did anything wrong because he was a security guard so now it's a disused space and Madhu has merges his whole body into this space um, and he's he's layered on the top half of his body all these kind of twigs and thorns that would have been um, a way of demarcating the boundary in the field so he's brought it into the internal space I mean it's quite complex when you start talking about it um, but it, it it just draws you in and it's very interesting work and really quite beautiful to look at. And also very excitingly, um, I'm curating an exhibition with Neha um, in October to coincide with Asian art in London. So we're, we're very excited about that and I'm working on the publicity um, around that at the moment. Yeah, and um, I think that for the listeners uh, now we're, coming to the end of the podcast if they go to i will put this link in the um podbean description uh for, to, for the but you can just basically use the search engine to to look up the art friends and then i think you'll see links to a lot of this material you'll understand the the, the, the prize we'll see the names of the prize winner and shortlist and 
uh, and understand more about the the art friends and and their prize. Is that right? Sorry, sorry, David. It's the arts family. Sorry, I keep <laughs> for some reason when I see TAF TAF as you call it. <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm thinking of that. I think there must be some other organisation to which apologies called the Art Friend. Yeah, the, the Arts Family. <laughs> I mean, a lot of this information, though, David, is so new. Yeah. You actually can't find very much online yeah. about yeah. this, I have, I have to say. Okay. And that's why we've got such, you know, we've got such a big job, really, yep. to, to explain and show... Um, and illustrate and write about uh, this this work. One of the things before we finish though, that I think is absolutely fantastic that uh, Neha arranged, she's done this wonderful catalog. And that I think is what, if anybody is interested, uh, there is a PDF of the catalog and that's available on the website. Um, and there's some beautiful descriptions of yeah. the all shortlisted artists. So I think that's the main way to find that information, really, and, and learn about these wonderful artists. Yeah, I, I Neha gave me a copy of that, and it's absolutely wonderful <laughs> to look through those pages and Thank see. You. And as you say, it's just hidden talent that we haven't seen yet most of the time. It's talent that people are already identifying as as important and valuable by the exhibitions, uh, by as you say, in the V&A and so on. So this is definitely, I think, an emerging market uh, which is is worth looking out for those seven South Asian uh, nations um, that 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 Ney has already described. So um, you know, keep an eye out for that, and I think also keep a do go do look up Asian Art in London event that that will have a website as well, and, and then within that we'll see what Claire and Neha are organising uh, as as part of as part of that at the same time. So I um, I'd like to thank Neha and Claire. Uh, for being my guest today. Sorry, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> and and I'm sure the listeners thank will you, find David. that really, really fresh and interesting. And maybe maybe in a, a few months or a year's time, we could we could have a catch up and uh, and, and revisit uh, the 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 arts family <laughs> and, and the prize winner next year. We've yeah. talked about that. I, I just also wanted to say as a as a as a finale that um, we are planning to work to to introduce next year um the uh, the ma art business students to to work alongside some of these uh, south asian emerging artists to help them to mentor them in the the, the art business aspects of what their of their practices so hopefully that will grow now uh, next year uh, in the in the institute of art and i will certainly have something to say about it with the new students when they come in in a month's time so thank you very much and uh, bless you and uh, enjoy the rest of your day and your week thank you so much Bye -bye. thank you david